My name is James Murphy and I have been a narrator for Calibre for about five and a half years and I'm halfway through recording my 38th book for Calibre. I started recording for them after I retired from teaching English in mostly London secondary schools for over 30 years, the bulk of my career as head of sixth form in a North London comprehensive. One of the happiest memories I retain from my working life is the joy and excitement that so many students found in reading and indeed in being read too, whether they were bright-eyed year sevens or wannabe world-weary sixth formers. They would sit mesmerised on the edge of their seats, whether the spell was cast by Roald Dahl or John Keats, Caroline Duffy or Mayor Angelou. When I retired, I wanted to take up some voluntary work and a chance conversation with a librarian friend put me in touch with Calibre. As a younger man, I also harboured a fantasy of working for Radio 4, so recording books combines the best elements of my previous profession with those of a dream job that I never actually had. It offered a close contact with literature of many kinds, but no marking or Ofsted inspections, and the enjoyment of being a Book of the Week narrator without the pressure of BBC office politics. What's not to like? I live in a Victorian three-storey terraced house in Bow, East London, and record in my study, which is in the basement of the house facing the back garden. It's a warm, comfortable room, probably cluttered with too many bits and pieces for most modern minimalist tastes, but an excellent acoustic for recording. Zoom meetings over the last year have revealed to me how stuffed with memorabilia my study is compared to many other people who seem to be Zooming from bare, spartan rooms that resemble witness protection facilities. I used to record in the afternoons, but since the Covid pandemic, I usually record late in the evening, from about 10.30 to midnight. Because of the pandemic, our neighbours now work at home in the day, and although our walls are pretty substantial, there are occasional noises which penetrate and could be picked up by the microphones. Also, since last spring... We seem to have regular visitations in our garden from a flock of parakeets who have taken up residence around the corner in Victoria Park and their cackling and squawking can also be intrusive. Late night is quiet and the only precaution I have to take is to ask my partner Vernon to stop the grandfather clock chiming upstairs in the living room. I don't have a special routine when I record but just make sure there is plenty of water at hand to keep my voice hydrated. I try to speed read a book before I start recording it to get an idea of narrative voice or voices, structure, characters and any voice types or accents that might be needed. I have a smattering of some European languages, and I mean a smattering, so I can cope with the occasional phrase in French, German or Italian. However, I had to consult a Jewish friend who speaks and reads Hebrew when I recently recorded Colin McCann's A Peregrine, as there were several examples of Hebrew script which my friend taught me to read phonetically. As my surname is Murphy, I think Caliber thought I might be a suitable choice of narrator to record a poetry anthology by contemporary Irish poet John O'Donoghue. 
flattering. But imagine my consternation when I opened the text to find a considerable number of lines in Irish, a language of which I know not a word, despite my ancestry. Again, I was able to draw on the expertise of a former teaching colleague who speaks Irish fluently, and she coached me carefully. I hope my ancestors would be pleased with the results. Also, there are occasional conundrums for a narrator when a text includes diagrams or pictures. A quick email to Denise James, the Calibre's editorial coordinator, usually provides a suitable suggestion or solution. I think giving distinct voices to different characters is especially important in an audiobook where a listener doesn't have the visual layout to help differentiate the voices of characters. This can be challenging, however. The book I'm currently recording has five Polynesian characters, amongst others, and when I recorded uh, Peter Jay's Extraordinary People involving a Scottish detective's investigations in France, I developed quite a headache in jumping from Scottish to French accents in the often fast-paced dialogue. I tried to read all of the book before recording, Early on in my calibre career, I used to just read a chapter ahead. I soon came a cropper with this method, however, and I recorded Jeanette Winterson's The Gap of Time, a retelling of Shakespeare's The Winter's Tale. I adopted what I thought was an appropriate African-Caribbean accent for the first chapter, which seemed to indicate it was set somewhere in the West Indies only to find several chapters later in a multi-narrator work that this character was an African-American living on the coast of Louisiana. Lots of corrective re-recording ensued. I record about seven books a year, so each book takes about six to eight weeks, and I try to do an hour a day. Each recorded file is intended to be about 30 minutes long, and I find that usually pans out at about an hour of recording and editing. I don't have a particular favourite genre to read, and the only genre I'm not really keen on is science fiction, although I have recorded a couple of these when sent to me. One of the delights of being a narrator is that you never know what book you will be sent it's often an opportunity to read books that I might not have chosen to read myself, so I've often enjoyed books that I'd either never heard of or wouldn't have predicted that I would appreciate. A particular pleasure of mine was being asked to read two books set in classical Greece by Mary Renault. Not Renault. Apparently, she stated that her name did not rhyme with a French make of car. I had not read these since my teenage years, and it was great to come back to them decades later and realise with improved understanding how impressive they are. My other great pastimes are choral singing and opera. I'm currently a tenor in the BBC Symphony Chorus and an LGBT chamber choir called Diversity and have been a member of the London Symphony Chorus and the City of London Choir in the past. I've been fortunate enough to sing with some fantastic conductors over the years, including Claudio Abado, Sir Simon Rattle, Daniel Barenboim and Sir Colin Davis. 
I have particularly cherished memories of a Berlioz cycle we did with Colin Davis 20 years or so ago, especially Berlioz's magnificent opera, The Trojans, which was recorded live at the Barbican. I've also been able to travel abroad and sing with these choirs, singing at the Sydney Opera, the Lincoln Centre New York, the Amsterdam Concertgebouw, the Munich Gasteig Philharmonie, the Roman Arena in Verona, and the marvellous open-air evening performance of Britain's War Requiem in the Herodes Atticus Amphitheatre at the foot of the Athens Acropolis. I've sung at all the major venues in London, but London has nothing as acoustically superb as Birmingham's Symphony Hall, where I've also sung. Having sung in choirs for over 50 years has certainly helped me pace and control my breathing. As well as a necessity in singing, it's also a definite aid in recording books. Just as with a musical score, you need to pace your breath to shape the phrases convincingly without intrusive pauses for breath, or conversely, when a pause might be dramatically necessary. My musical interests were also stimulated when I recorded the pianist James Rhodes' autobiography, Instrumental, a few years ago. It is a book that includes some harrowing accounts of his abuse as a child, but he prefaces each chapter with a description of a piece from the piano repertoire and why it is important to him. These were a catalyst to explore some musical works that were new to me and enhanced my understanding of Rhodes' work too. Occasionally a text will include an excerpt from a song. Hymns like Abide With Me have featured, and I know these but I had to look up online and practice the tunes for a few sea shanties that feature in my present novel set in the South Seas of the 19th century. The only real problems I've had with my narrating was some time ago I had a run of some racy American novels which involved some very dramatic character interactions replete with adult language and content, as they say. I was very conscious of the fact that our neighbours might think Vernon and I were having some very fractious domestic difficulties, but yet they would be perplexed as to why my effing and jeffing was delivered in a screaming American accent. Although they never said anything, I dropped it into the conversation over the garden fence at the next available opportunity that I was recording books for a reading charity. I hope they believed me. The relationship between a book and a reader, or in Calibre's case, a listener, is a very intimate one. I feel the greatest challenge as a narrator is to recreate the voice or voices that the author had in his or her head when writing a book. It is a very daunting and precious responsibility. It is also certainly providing me with hours of absorbing and engaged enjoyment, and I hope that has been the experience of any Calibre subscribers who've listened to any of the books I've had the privilege of recording.